Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the Watt. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. You can ride that um, underdog deal for for some amount of time, but when you, when you become... Um, you know, good, I guess, is the best way to say it. At some point, uh, you got to also know how to, how to, how to be good. And, and I think that comes over time. And I think what you're seeing is the maturation and professionalism and leadership uh, of our players. Sean McDermott, head coach of the Buffalo Bills, first team to sweep the Patriots since two thousand and they did exactly what we thought they were going to do Chris this is not high level analysis this is common sense right in front of your face they are going to step on the Patriots throats if they get the chance because the Patriots have been throat stepping for 20 years the Patriots never put their foot anywhere but on the gas and to the floor when they can and that's what we saw the Bills do I was actually a little surprised last night when they called the dogs off in the fourth quarter and put Matt Barkley in instead of Josh Allen, because we've seen time and again where Belichick will keep Tom Brady on the field until there's three minutes left in the game or three seconds left in the game. But the Bills thumping the Patriots, handing them their worst defeat since 31-0 week one of the 2003 season, the lawyer Malloy game when the Bills beat the Patriots. Right. The Patriots win the Super Bowl that year, so it worked out well. But ugly but at the same time, beautiful if you're a fan of Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, or good offensive football because the Bills had plenty of it last night. Oh, well, I mean, first off, you're right. We've never seen the Patriots like that. That was It was kind of crazy to see. You know, even Bill Belichick. I feel like even the look of some of the assistants on the sidelines, it was a little like, I can't believe we're in this situation. I felt like you saw that on their face. And uh, we, we talked about, like, I, I don't know, the Terminator was dead a few weeks ago, but – Last night, I don't know what that was. I guess that was the officially like lowering into the lava there. Like it's official. We need to recreate and build a new machine because it is over there. Uh, but man, Mike, woo, baby, my boy blue, my boy blue looking good. I mean, on fire, the bills on fire, Sean McDermott, you know, we played here to open the show. No, Sean, your guys are good. It's okay to say it. You are good. You're really good. In fact, you are one of the best teams in football. And we continue to see them on this arc of going up to where they have it all, Mike. I mean, they really do. You have a quarterback who can make plays as good as anybody in the game. They got a running game now to where, yes, it's not awesome, but it's good to where you can't disrespect it and just say, oh, we're just going to play coverage on Stefan Diggs and the rest of these wide receivers all game long. And we're seeing the defense really turn around too. I'm, I'm really impressed with the Bills, the transformation they've made, the maturity they've shown this year to kind of, you know, like we talked about last week. They went through a phase early in the year where I think they thought they were good. They got smacked in the mouth a little bit, and then were like, whoa, wait, we need to reassess. We're not as good as we thought. And they really took it as a positive and built on that, and I got to give McDermott a lot of credit for it. 
And the running game gets a boost when you've got a quarterback who has the ability and willingness to pull the ball down and run. He had four carries for 35 yards last night, including a 22-yard scamper that initially looked like it was going to be called back due to a penalty, but the penalty was on the Patriots. I remember last year going into the playoffs, one of the things we thought they would do is unleash him as a runner. I don't know that they need to this year. Yeah, He's you're doing right. so well as a passer. But if there is a greater willingness to take off with the ball, then that's only going to help the offense. And I feel like last night's game – the fourth straight nationally televised game involving the Bills, yeah. and they're 4-0 in those games. Two Monday night, a Sunday night, and a Saturday afternoon where it was the only thing happening, standalone broadcast on NFL Network. I think the culmination of this 25% of the season run for the Bills had warnings for what teams are going to have to deal with in the postseason. They ran a fake punt. Who the hell runs a fake punt? when you've already got your division title one and you're playing a team that you're obviously better than and will beat over the course of 60 minutes. Something to think about for the Kansas City Chiefs no or doubt. anyone else they may encounter in the postseason. Josh Allen running the ball 22 yards. Something to be ready for. Something to be afraid of. Something to plan for. Pick your poison when you're dealing with the Bills. And they're good enough that this is one of the next-level things that you do when you're that good. You start laying the foundation for what's to come in the playoffs, and you know you can do that and still win by 29 points. No, you're right. You're right. Well, it's just giving your team another little bit of an advantage, you know, whether it's the team preparing for you or, hey, that moment where you just go, we need to do something to get some energy going. We're a little flat right now. But, you know, they have trick plays. We've seen them do a number of those over the last few weeks. I, I think it's all of it. I just think they're a team that is totally in the groove on both sides of the football. And Josh Allen last night, I, I don't know what else you can you know really say about the guy. I mean, some of the plays and throws we saw last night out of Josh Allen are just outstanding. They're outstanding. Forget like, hey, in the pocket, the lasers he throw. Forget that he should have another touchdown pass on his resume from last night, and they dropped two on the same drive. I mean, but... It's the plays off schedule to where Bill Belichick must have been sitting there going, wait, we covered them for six and seven seconds and nobody was open. And then he still made a guy miss and moved out of the pocket and got a 20-yard gain. The guy is throwing for 70%, and I would argue his degree of difficulty on throws is higher than anybody in the sport. That's what's impressive. And he's just got – he's found the fine line, and I thought Greasy did a good job of explaining this last night of he's always been able to hit the bullseye. He's always been able to do that. Hey, Josh, throw it. Hit that bullseye. Bam. I got it. No problem. It's the decision-making along with it that has imp improved the accuracy. You know, he used to get out of the pocket and make a throw and just be like, hey, I see a receiver. He's in between four people, and I'm going to try to jam it in there. No, now he's found the fine line to go, okay, that's a little tight, but I can get that in there. And then, oh, whoa, that's way too tight. I'm not going to jam it in there. I'm going to throw it away. And he's really become a true, complete quarterback, and that's what makes them really dangerous to me uh, in the playoffs right now. Last night he completed 75% of his passes, 27 for 36, 320 yards, four touchdown passes, a rating of 138.7. Let's hear from Josh Allen talking about his motivation last night, even though they already had the division title wrapped up. It's an extremely well-coached team. And, uh, you know, I, I know this game, you know, it, if they didn't want to admit it, it meant a lot to uh, both sides. You know, it's a lot of pride on the line for us. You know, we're trying to get number two seed. And, um, you know, we put ourselves in a position where, you know, we can go get that in week 17. And, and we know that we got a hungry Miami team coming to us and, um, you know, they're, they're playing to get into the playoffs and uh, we got to be ready for everything that, that they can throw at us. They did say that uh, you said that you weren't buying into the Josh Allen MVP craze a, a couple times. Is that a fair interpretation of, of what you said to them? I said multiple times that Josh Allen's a good football player and he's played well and he's having a good year. Oh, Mr. Happy. Well, of course... There was nothing to be happy about. At least the demeanor matches the result for a change. The guy has acted like someone who's been losing 38-9 yeah. to nine every year for the last 20 years. Oh, and seriously. Finally, he has a reason to be a little bit grumpy, although the full season has been a bad one for the Patriots. Back to Allen. Something that 
I thought of when listening to you and considering last night there was a moment where he was moving to his right, he threw to his left, it was on target, and as I think it was Greasy. Greasy and Riddick sound so much alike sometimes I can't tell who's who, but I think it was Greasy who said that they always tell you don't throw across your body. Yeah, well, I... you do it when you can. You do that stuff when you know you can do it. And Chris, when Patrick Mahomes was taking the NFL by storm in 2018, Josh Allen's rookie year, I remember it dawning on me at some point, he's going to inspire a generation of kids to try to do the things he can. And there will be a certain percentage of kids who realize they can right. do the things that Patrick Mahomes can. One thing I hadn't considered until 90 seconds ago. Uh-huh. I think you're right. He also Keep may going. have inspired He also may have inspired yeah. Josh Allen. Yeah. to try to do some things that maybe Josh Allen hadn't previously tried to do because when you've got the arm and you've got the accuracy and you've got the mobility, you throw it all in a bowl like egg and milk and flour and you start stirring it around and you realize you can bake yourself a Patrick Mahomes cake. That may be and that would be I think irony. It probably would be irony, although I never quite know whether or not that word is the proper one to use. If it's Allen versus Mahomes and the Bills give Mahomes and the Chiefs everything they can handle with Allen inspired by Mahomes, playing like Mahomes, beating Mahomes. Mike, I, I, I think it's a very valid observation. I do. You know, uh, I, I, I think you're right. Mahomes broke barriers in the NFL. He has. I mean, again... You know, not that it always gets publicized, but hey, his no look throws. We see there's no look throws in football almost every week now because of Patrick Mahomes, what he did there. Then also, I think all the scrambling and throwing across the field in those plays, you know, I think a lot of teams, and if you have a quarterback like Josh Allen, you're saying, look at it and go, you know, this guy I got pulling the trigger, he, he's no dummy. He's kind of smart. He doesn't like, he's not going to, I trust him now. And man, when he does throw it across the field, we make plays. We get 15, 20-yard gains, do things like that to where I do feel like offensive coordinators, head coaches, the quarterbacks just being more ready to go than ever before because they've thrown the ball 50,000 times before they've gotten the NFL like we've talked about, whether it's college football, the seven-on-sevens, everything, football being a year-round sport from when you're 10 years old now to where – it's not as crazy anymore to do that type of stuff. And Josh Allen certainly has the talent. And Mike, I mean, I, I you know, the Allen versus Mahomes thing, just to, that, that little part of it, uh, I, I would think those, like, I think Allen thinks about Mahomes. I do, of course. I mean, everybody thinks about Mahomes. He's the man. But I would bet you Mahomes and his brain looks at Allen as one of the guys where he's like, eh, that guy's a little bit too damn good and threatening my king of the hill status right here and I don't like it and I think it's it's one of the few guys in football that I think could threaten Mahomes for his greatness and his ability to make magic so much and and you just have to wonder and again you don't you don't see it very frequently because you need the natural ability that Allen has but yeah. you have to wonder how many guys on the fly this isn't just kids developing these powers when they're eight, nine, no, and 10. No, you're this not. This is older abilities. guys inspired by Mahomes and maybe now inspired by Allen to try to do more things with that combination of accuracy, arm strength, and mobility. It also helps to have Stephon Diggs. And look, this trade that brought Diggs to Buffalo from Minnesota, you can call it a win-win. Although I think right now the Vikings would say if they could undo the trade, they would say we're fine because they're happy with Justin Jefferson, who's on the way up. The Bills got digs when he was already at or close to the top, had the ability to be one of the best receivers in the NFL, just needed to have the ball thrown his way more frequently by someone who had the ability to get him the ball more frequently. And whether it was disenchantment with the Vikings' run-based offense or disenchantment with Kirk Cousins, he recently admitted that it was not in his best interest to be in an offense that was going to run the ball so much, although I think Cousins played a role in it. But Diggs has been incredible. Look at this. First in targets with 158, first in catches with 120 and 1,459 receiving yards. Unbelievable performance this year from Diggs. And it took him a while to get going last night. But, man, once he got going, Chris, that was one of his best games ever. And, and this is just what special teams do. They seize those late season big moments where everyone's watching and they show everyone 
this isn't a fluke. This is real, and we're coming. Yes. Yeah. I, I mean, coming, and I mean, to the point where we know the Chiefs are king, but I just sit there and look at the Bills and go, man, that I think a round two can be very interesting. I don't think this Bills team is the same Bills team that the Chiefs beat, you know, 26 to what was that, 17 earlier this year on that makeup, you know, rainy day up in Buffalo. Uh, I think it'll be a different, uh, a whole different type of football game altogether. And you talk about like digs. It, it is special. It just shows you really, again, is another great example of a guy getting in a place where his, he's on a team that knows how to utilize his skill set completely. It fits the right way, you know? So he goes there and they have an offense that has just a wide variety of different routes and different things to do. And we've talked about it a lot, Mike. Diggs has no weakness. He's a precision route runner. He's quick. You know, he's strong. He's got straightaway speed. And I think that's the thing that's jumped out to me. I, I don't know. You tell me. You've been Mr. Minnesota Vikings the last few years and all that. But, like, I, I just – I think I took for granted how explosive he is and how, like we saw last night, he can catch a slant and break a tackle while somebody's hitting him. That's the aspect that I don't know if I knew he had until this year, and it's it's been very special. Well, I think part of it, too, is the talent and the skill set doesn't flourish until it's used on a regular basis, and maybe you learn for yourself there are things you can do that you haven't had the chance to do in a game setting, and it leads to more confidence, and it leads to that just that – you just that attitude that he has, and he's got it, and it's great. And we've always loved Stephon Diggs, and it's great to see him flourish the way that he is, and it's great to see what the Bills are doing. And seems I had like a improved uh, him as a person, Mike. I mean, he he seems like a different guy just from what you well, hear on the telecast and everything about it. Like he's just he's so comfortable and happy that now he's the leader of the football team to where he was just like you know, an awesome player who kind of just, I think, stood in the background with the Minnesota Vikings. and So that speaks to the culture there, too. Common affliction for the receiver position. Guys want the ball, and when they don't get the ball, they react a certain way. And we saw enough of that from Diggs over the years when he wasn't getting the ball and he wasn't feeling like it was going their way. He reacted a certain way. And there were flashes this year, and I think it was in that Chiefs game, walking back to the line of scrimmage late in the game when they were trying to move the ball down the field. When you're winning and when you're getting the ball, it's all fine. It can suddenly be not fine when it goes the other way. But for Diggs and the Bills this year, it's been great. And I had a vision. I had an image. I have a, a flash forward to Bills Chiefs in the AFC Championship game, barring an upset of either team. Because that's now, especially for the Bills, and I don't think the Bills are going to succumb to it because it's been so long yeah. since they've done anything in the postseason. They're not going to take any opponent for granted, I believe. But the Chiefs have, what, 15,000 fans at their games. You know what's going to happen. There's going to be Bills fans that are going to make Chiefs fans offers they can't refuse for that ticket. Whatever it takes, however much money you want, they're going to make a pilgrimage to Kansas City. And there will be Bills fans in that venue. And we still don't know that the Bills are going to have fans for their home playoff games. They've submitted a plan that would entail like 6,700, I think is the number that I saw. But th th this... This could be an AFC championship unlike any other. It could be the first time this year that the Bills are in that kind of a big moment where they look up in the stands and they see a lot of Bills fans there, and that may give them the kick. I don't want to fast forward through the postseason because I think it's going to be a great postseason, but my God, if Conference Championship Sunday includes Bills at Chiefs, Chris, that may be as good as the Super Bowl. Well, it, it, it would be unbelievable. It's the two of the hottest quarterbacks in the game. Really exciting offenses that are high flying can do a lot of you know fun stuff as far as explosive plays, all of that. Defenses like neither one is like the steel curtain, but both are really good defenses who show you know that they can rise to the challenge in big moments and they create plays and do things like that. And I mean, fan bases, it doesn't get better than any of the, the, those two right there, really, Mike. I thought that was going to happen to the Chiefs last year at the Super Bowl, what you're talking about, what the Bills might do to them. I'd be surprised if the Chiefs let the Bills come in and throw money around like that, the, the Bills fans. Last year, I thought, oh, here comes, you know, 
San Francisco, all, you know, the 49ers, all the big shot, you know, West Coast money people, the Silicon Valley, all that crowd, everything. I thought, oh, they're going to end up buying the Chiefs out. And of course, we watched the game on TV and everything like that. And it was 80 to 20 Chiefs. So I, I would think the Chiefs protect their, excuse me, I'm drooling on myself, uh, their kingdom and don't sell out too easily to the Bills Mafia. We're both drooling as we think about this possibility of Bills <laughs> Chiefs in the playoffs. And, you know, and, and it is at the same time, it's disappointing that the Patriots aren't the Patriots anymore, but it is kind of nice to have some some fresh blood at the top of the NFL. And uh, let, let's let's spin it around to the Patriots for a little bit, cool. because I think this is a major rebuild. This isn't something where, oh, we've got 51 million in cap space this offseason, we can go out and address all of our problems. I think their problems run far deeper than any one position, especially on offense. Here's Bill Belichick talking about his team's offensive struggles on Monday night. We didn't have much production. We had, you know, just a combination of things. You know, protection, drop balls, just lack of good execution. And we just didn't. Just didn't execute the passing game well, and they they played they played well defensively, um, with their pressure, and they covered well. So they, they did a better job than we did. You know, I still think the dam would have broken at some point last night for the Bills, but on that first drive, as the Patriots are right. moving down the field, and they they pull out the trick play, they try to out Buffalo Buffalo, and Demir Bird just flat out drops a ball, he let it hit him up high near the shoulder pads. You never do that. Pops out. That 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 was it. the The balloon was pumping up early, and that was the pinprick. It still took the Bills a while to to really get it going. But how different the game becomes if you turn that play into seven points and strike like that and give your offense a lift and a boost. And I think especially at Cam Newton, he needs confidence to build confidence to build more confidence. And once it gets rolling, he can be unstoppable. That 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 was their opportunity to get it rolling, Chris, and it failed. Yeah, agreed. I mean, the, you know, we we know we've seen it all year. They're a team that can't play from behind. You know, they want to try to get the lead, control the football, run the football, run out the clock. You know, they the, the way the game perfectly could have set up for New England is yeah, score a touchdown there. You know, then. Then, okay, maybe Buffalo gets a field goal. They get the ball, another long drive. Maybe it's a touchdown or a field goal, and they hope that they get you flustered on offense a little bit. Like, no, no, whoa, whoa, well, now we're down. And then the Belichicks feel like they got you because they start to play games in the secondary and do things like that. That's what they want to happen. That's really the only way they can win a football game right now with what they have there. But, yeah, I mean, major rebuild. There's no doubt. I mean, we talked about this, you know, last year when Brady was there. You know, I think there was even talks of it the year they beat the Rams in the Super Bowl. Like, how much longer will this team last? All of that. It's just all come to its finality. You know, between the COVID guys being gone and then those issues, of course, some of the draft picks. But when you look at their football team, there's only two spots on the team where you go, it doesn't need a rebuild. And that's like the offensive line, which is really awesome. And the secondary, and that still has some questions too because you got J.C. Jackson who's going to be a free agent. Gilmore, a lot of people are not sure what's going to happen there. So, yeah, the Bill, I mean, uh, Bill and, and the Patriots, they, they got their work cut out for them, and they're going to have to make some major moves in free agency and, of course, have a good draft to, to set their team up to try to figure something out to get back on the, the successful you know, path again. And the narrative has come up from time to time over the years that Bill Belichick, the head coach, is so good he can overcome the periodic failures of Bill Belichick, the general manager. Even though he doesn't hold the title, he's de facto in charge. He's got final say. He runs the show. Nick Casario sets the table like Scott Pioli did before him. But at some point, they do have to do better at acquiring talent in the draft, especially at the receiver position where they have failed Ooh. over and over and over again. To, to properly scout and choose and develop young receivers. It's it's abysmal. Don't draft them anymore. In that regard. Like that's what I would say. Well, Don't. You just find proven commodities that you've already seen in the NFL. They seem to be better that way than they do with the oh, we're going to evaluate the young guy. No, just go with a guy that you've seen in person on the field in the NFL. He knows he's good. And sign him up and make it work that way. I, I mean you're right. I don't trust them with drafting that position. 
And and it's not something that you can quickly fix. Although if the salary cap drops to one seventy five, as some think it still will, I think that's a bit of a ruse that's going on between the union and the league, and they're back and forth, and that's a broader negotiation that's going to happen. I think it's going to be higher than one seventy five because the teams don't want to have to cut a bunch of good players. But if that happens, that benefits the Patriots because if a bunch of good players get cut, some of them will be receivers. The Patriots have the cap space. They could go out and get some veterans. The quarterback position, though, is going to be the first thing they need to address. Let's hear from Cam Newton. It was mentioned last night during the broadcast that he goes to bed at 1130, gets up at 420, is out the door in 10 minutes, and is working all day, giving everything he can to perfecting his craft. It's not leading to positive results. Here he is talking about the frustrations that come from that. On the broadcast, they showed a graphic stating your daily schedule, and it said you wake up at 4.20 in the morning and you're out of the house in 10 minutes. You don't go to sleep till 11.30 at night. Is that your normal schedule for the day? That's been my schedule for 90% of the time that I've been here. So you can kind of understand the frustration that I do have when I don't have the outcome because I'm sacrificing so much. You're talking to a person who ain't seen his kids in three months. Obviously, the contract is what it is. Uh, submitting myself to this team is something that I've been doing since day one, uh, being accessible. Um, and yeah, it's, it's frustrating. It, it makes you mad. It makes you angry. Knowing that to be a trusted teammate, you know, you first have to submit to authority and submit to what, what the coaches are asking you to do. And I feel like I have done that. And I I don't I don't I'm not in the the place to blame or the place to I'm just more or less venting right now because yeah I've sacrificed so much this year and I mean it it it, is it hurts you know when you when you have the the outing that you have tonight and just to go home and then start it over for a whole nother week. You know, that, that, that was a very compelling aspect of his press conference last night, and other moments included questions about whether or not he's done enough to earn a second contract with the team. And he said, I don't care about the contract. I care about winning. Well, if winning is the pr- priority for Cam Newton, he's already answered his own question. If you want to win, you don't stay in New England next year, do you? Is that where you go? Well, if you you've seen you've seen the quality of the offensive talent around you, if you want to win, that's not where you play. Well, okay, but you know, we we know that you can change a team around in a hurry and there's some th- aspects there that he probably does like. You know, the fact that they have an offensive line that, you know, every week just plows people out of the way in the run game and do that, you know, they're special. So, uh, I I think and the other thing, Mike, I think we got to ask, you know, who else is going to bring him in to be a starting quarterback, right? That, that's the other thing. So I don't know if that's really out there at this point. I don't know what the feel is. I have no feel from anybody I know. New England, I don't think, is in that type of conversation right now. I know that they really respect Cam Newton and his work ethic and his energy and charisma and leadership that he brings into the building every day, you know, but the offense has flaws, as we know. You know, one, hey, the offense would be better with Tom Brady if he was there right now. Definitely. Brady knows every inkling of the offense, so they could throw that out there. And, yeah, Brady would find ways to, yeah, we'll get, you know, it wouldn't be pretty, but they'd move the ball better than they did, you know, or have this year. So Cam Newton doesn't know the whole offense like that. Cam Newton's a different type of quarterback altogether. I have to think New England, as smart as they are, are realistic to know, like, damn, we, we haven't really given the guy a chance to really be successful. So I would think from that aspect, they haven't closed the door on bringing Cam Newton back next year. I wouldn't. You know, the other thing you got to talk about is just, okay, so then who are you going to bring in? Who's going to be that guy? Are you sure he's going to be better? So with that offensive line, you know, Damian Harris are running back. I think they need to get another big-time running back, Mike. I, they need to get a home run hitter. They need a Raheem Mostert, a Brita, somebody like that. You know, we watched that Sony Michelle big run last night. That should have been a touchdown. The top running backs in football, their head hits the hits the goalpost. It's a touchdown. But it, it's just underwhelming that way. But they get him, a few receivers, and they have to run an offense that fits Cam Newton. He's not going to be Brady. It has to be, you know, run, play action, the threat of him running, the speed sweep, some of that stuff we saw him do in Carolina, and I think they can formulate that around him. They just don't have the players to do it right now. 
And I don't know where it goes. It hasn't been good enough. Uh, I know that. And I feel bad for Cam Newton in a lot of ways. I really do because it's tough. But um, I don't think it's dead. Here's really. a challenge for the Patriots. Yeah. Here's the challenge. Yeah. Well, I, I got two points to make. Yeah. First of all, Bill Belichick is so accustomed to getting people under his thumb and pressing yeah. when it comes to contracts. When it, You know, Tom Brady lived in fear for 20 years that Bill Belichick was going to wake up one day and say, Tom Brady's salary cap number, Tom Brady's current talent. See you later, Tom Brady. We're going to move on to somebody else. That right. was one of the reasons why Brady always took less. People right. like, oh, he's a great teammate. He's being selfless. No, he was afraid that he was going to get run out of town at some point because Bill Belichick decided he was making too much money. That's why he took less, folks. And they were able to get Cam Newton for peanuts last year. And that they played part of his audio from earlier this year where they were talking about oh, they, they, they went all in to win Super Bowls and they're paying the price. That, that's baloney. That's bullcrap. That's a poor excuse from Bill Belichick. And the bottom line is with Cam Newton, they laid in the weeds for as long as they could. They made the move at the absolute perfect time. They offered him a contract when there was no one else interested and they got him for nothing. And they're going to try to play that game again. I would think I so. I can see Belichick trying to play that game again. Let him become a free agent. Let him realize there's no one out there that's going to throw a bunch of money at him. And then wait and wait and wait and wait and wait and wait and then move. And I would suggest that if you truly want to have the kind of connection you need with Cam Newton and to get the most out of him next year, you need to move quickly and reward him for the effort and the sacrifice and the dedication and and everything he's done to try to learn the Patriot way yeah. with his one hand behind his back, basically, because of no offseason program and joining the team so late and the pandemic and all of that. And this would be one of those moments that calls for emotional intelligence where you don't just wait and do the best possible deal you can because it's in the best interest of the team. It's in the best interest of the team to take care of this guy and send a message to the rest of the locker room that we are behind him. You should be behind him. We like his work ethic. This is what gets you rewarded here. And that would be, I think, the better approach. Yeah. And, and this is a delicate one because, Chris, here's my question for you. You worked up there. You know folks who, you know, you hear all the time, uh, the, the, the regular season, the preseason, and the playoffs of the regular season, and the Super Bowls, the postseason, in the minds of Patriots fans. How much of this will they tolerate? How many years of this will they tolerate? Because they could be looking at two, three, four, five years of this. I would think that up there in New England, you know, after maybe if it, if it gets next year, it looks like this, they're going to get antsy up there. I don't know if that puts like, you know, Bill or anybody on the hot seat quite yet, but I think a next year of like one more year of mediocrity, mediocrity, like we saw this year. Yeah. I, I think you're going to start to hear New England fans, you know, murmur and start getting a little, you know, antsy that way. I mean, I'm a little surprised by the way they've acted this year anyways. You know, the way they treat Bill Belichick on the local radio stations, I want to be like, whoa, I wouldn't talk to anybody that way, let alone like the greatest coach I've ever seen. I'm shocked by it. But like, but this is when the chickens come home to roost. You're when right. You act the way that he you're has right. for all you these can't years and you step you're into right. a pothole, then you start getting yes. some of what you've been dishing out. I was just going to say that. You're exactly right. That's why I don't feel bad for Bill that way when they talk to him because he's he's been disrespectful himself that way too. I think your thing about Cam is a really good thought, Mike. And, you know, I think, that's, I think that might be on the horizon or on their radar. I think we have some evidence of that to a degree. I think that's why they haven't gone to Jared Stidham and done those things. Because I think of like what you're saying. I think there's a, still a possibility in their brain where they go, we're going to bring Cam Newton back. We don't want to have to deal with quarterback controversy, Stidham, Cam Newton talk. There's a good chance we bring Cam Newton back, I should say. Sorry. And I think that's what they're trying. I think that's what they're doing right now is paying him the respect to, you know, hey, you're a guy. You've done a lot of good things. We're not going to start Stidham and do all those things and start that controversy because I think they think there's still a chance. But the big thing, too, is he's got to – his throwing, I've never seen him in a rut like this. I've seen him go through ruts before. I haven't seen it like this to where we're moving up in the pocket and there's a guy crossing the field and he's wide open and we skip it on the ground. Like, there's definitely some mechanical issues that Cam Newton's got to go back to the drawing board. He's got to get – look, I mean, think about Cam Newton throwing the ball right now. I'm going to move a little, but, like, it's like he's up, he's up there. His shoulder's always scrunched up. 
and then it leads to that throw all the time. And you and I have talked, and if you watch Aaron Rodgers or Josh Allen, they don't do that and come over the top like that. It's more around. It's around. It's coming around that way. Brady, Rodgers, Stafford, whatever, Mahomes, they all do that. Right now, Cam Newton has this, I'm so big and strong, I'm going to jack my front shoulder up and I'm just going to overpower it. And it's just too much work, and you can see he's got no control of the football. And the bad thing is, like my dad always says, when then you don't know, you don't know where the ball's going to go, it starts affecting your decision-making because you go, oh, I don't want to throw that because I don't know if I can throw it the way I want to throw it, so let me see if I can find somebody else. And he's got to fix that issue, Mike. This is another angle that the Patriots know the answer to, but we don't. Now that they've had a full year with him, they have a much better understanding of his overall health picture. Remember, it was in the 2019 training camp and preseason phase where he was breaking in that new throwing motion because of chronic shoulder problems. And then he had the foot problem and he's had many issues over the years and he's in the building. They've been around him. They know what he physically can and can't do. And if they decide, frankly, this guy's wrong side of 30, he's a little too banged up for us. We've, we've managed to keep him healthy, relatively speaking this year, but but the scars of past injuries are keeping him from being the guy that he was in 2015. They're not going to broadcast that because, look, end of the day, he becomes a free agent, signs somewhere else. They want to get that extra little boost for the compensatory draft pick formula. But, so, yeah, uh, you know, their, their actions are going to tell us everything that we need to know. My, my point is this. So if you want the guy, don't wait until late June and sign him to another contract at, at a $1 million base salary with an upside that you only get if you're basically the Super Bowl MVP and the regular season MVP. I mean, to, to, if he would have made $7.5 this year, it would have been the greatest deal dollar for dollar in the history of sports because it would have meant they would have won a Super Bowl and, and he would have been the regular season MVP and he would have played 90% of the time and everything would have been great. He's getting $3.7 most likely for this season. And when you consider the top of the market now in new money is $45 million, that's peanuts. And if you want that guy, if you decide you want him, Chris, they need to find a way to take care of him sooner rather than later and not play a game with him. Because I think that that kind of comes through that long answer that we played. Yeah. Everything he's done, he's busted his ass for the team. He's gone without seeing his kids. He gets up early. He gets out the door. He gets to work. He's done everything they've asked. Right. And if there isn't a financial reward that he doesn't have to fight and scratch and claw for and engage in this nuanced negotiation that takes way too long. That, that's not the way it should be. If you value the people who have made the contributions and kept you from having a 4-12 and season, frankly, you got to take care of them if you believe they're part of the future. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100% there. I do. And, you know, in the grand scheme of things, even taking care of them is probably going to be basically peanuts for the quarterback position. I mean, when it's all said and done, they're not going to have to pay them you know, 20 something million dollars, that's not going to happen. So, you know, either way, they're going to come out with a good deal as far as a starting quarterback. And Mike, here's the last thing, because I know we got to go, but like, okay, good. There's no rush. Matt Casey said, all right. The, the, the other thing too is, you know, to all the things you've said where you've been spot on and we talk about it, Hey, if they want to bring them back, they better do it pretty soon. They need to mold the guy this offseason. They can't wait till June. They got to get back in the lab with a pen and the pad, right? Like, you know, Dr. Dre said, they, they got to do that. They got to get in there and start fixing mechanics. Hey, talk about the language of play calling. We talked about, hey, when I call this play, I'm thinking this. And if I don't have this, then I want you to do that. All of those things got to be worked out. And that's only going to happen if they make somewhat of a pretty quick decision on him so they can get back in the meeting room, get back on the field, work on mechanics, and play in the game the Patriot way. And if nothing else, they need to convert the entire playbook to the hieroglyphics that he uses on social media. Oh, please Maybe don't that do that. As well. <laughs> we got to take a break. Uh, you know, it's funny. The show begins, and I'm thinking – how are we going to talk about that crap game last night for 20 minutes? Here we are, nearly 40 minutes later, <laughs> but plenty of interesting angles for both the Bills and the Patriots. When we return, an interesting angle between the Cardinals and the Rams, the two guys playing quarterback, maybe guys you've never heard of. I know I hadn't heard of one of them. We'll discuss that next here on PF. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, 
The threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. All right, this Sunday, two will get in and one will go home. Rams, Bears, Cardinals. And the Rams and Cardinals play. The winner will have a playoff berth. It's that simple. The loser will need help. The Rams get in if the Bears lose, and the Bears get in if the Cardinals lose. Of course, the easiest way for the Bears to get in is just beat the Packers. For the Rams, it will be John Wolford at quarterback because Jared Goff had surgery on his thumb. It was the same doctor who did the surgery last year on Drew Brees' thumb. So uh, Brees missed five games. Jared Goff could be back for the playoffs, according to his head coach, Sean McVay. That would be surprising if it happens. But uh, look, here comes Walford. And there was a Rams quarterback that no one had heard of in 1999 who replaced Trent Green. And I remember thinking in the preseason after Green had suffered a torn ACL when he took a low hit from our good friend Rodney Harrison, that the Rams are done. Not that anybody expected anything out of the Rams. There was kind of a, hey, maybe the Rams are onto something here because they have Trent Green and they have Marshall Falk, and maybe it's, you know, it's going to work, and the air went out of the balloon with that. Well, here comes Kurt Warner. So you take Sean McVay, an offensive genius. You give him a quarterback that he's been working with all year long. Who knows? Maybe they'll cook something up, and maybe they'll have some success. And if this team is built, Chris, on running game and defense, it's not like John Wolford has to go out and do a whole lot. And based on what we've seen from Jared Goff, it's a low bar, frankly, to to match what Goff's done this season. Well, I, yeah, I don't. You know, they're not a team where we look there and just go, "Oh, it's all about the quarterback," and that the quarterback has to play at a high level for them to win football games. We know that's not the case. You know, it, it is. They are a running defensive football team. And when they've lost games, it's because they've not been able to run and they've had a throw and they're not capable of making enough plays that way. And, you know, Jared Goff's had his issues. Jared Goff, tough as hell. I do want to say that. I mean, for him to hang in there and play the other day, there is something to say about that. Definitely. But I think the overall formula for which how the Rams play on the offensive side of the ball, it's not going to change one bit. You're still going to see the same look Rams. Seen John Walford. He's a pretty good athlete. He's got pretty good control of the ball. Saw him on the field a few years ago at Notre Dame when when he came in there as the Wake Forest starting quarterback. You know, can move around well. He's going to be able to do all the boots and play action stuff that they need him to do. So I don't really think they're going to miss anything, you know, other than I think here's the big thing. Yeah, he hasn't played all year. So now he's playing in a big football game against the Arizona Cardinals. They got to protect him early, especially. Just don't put him in any situation to where he can make a mistake and end up screwing your season over because now, hey, we got a guy that we asked to do something a little too aggressive here and we've thrown two interceptions and now we're down 14 nothing. and might not go to the playoffs. And they might not have, you know, the check with me's at the line of scrimmage, right, Mike? That's probably where they're going to have to dial it back a little bit, where Goff and McVay have this great – you know, hey, you got two or three plays called, and here we go. Let's get up to the line of scrimmage, and you figure it out real quick. They'll probably dial that back a little bit. But I think all in all, it's still going to look the same to us as viewers on TV. You know who his backup's going to be on Sunday, don't you? Blake Bortles coming to <laughs> save the day. 
Look, look, the, the the fact that Bortles was the backup last year and the Rams let him leave without even batting an eye, I think already tells us everything we need to know. At this point, this is just here's a guy who, number one, has a pulse, and number two, knows the offense. Right. I don't think they have a whole lot of faith in Blake Bortles, or he'd have been the backup, and he'd be the guy getting the start on Sunday. So it's John Walford who has kind of bounced around the NFL, and he played in the AAF. He's never thrown a, a regular season pass in the NFL, but he did have 14 touchdown passes in the truncated only AAF season of yeah. 2019. So he's got playing experience, just not at this level and not at these stakes. The good news, though, for the Rams, they may not have to face Kyler Murray. Here is Cliff Kingsbury from Monday explaining Murray's status after he was injured late in Saturday's loss to the 49ers. He feels this week hopeful that he can be in position to, to play and, and you know do what he does. We're not going to put him out there if, if he can't play you know at a, at a high level and, and doesn't feel safe to play but um, we'll just have to see how he progresses. If he can't go is Strebler still the backup Strebler is definitely the backup. Chris Strebler, 25 years old, played at South Dakota. I, look, I, I, I cover the NFL all day, every day. And even then, I didn't know who the hell Chris Strebler was. Chris, sure. Did you? Well, yeah, but, I mean, like, you know, it was a guy that was a low-level watch for, you know, the draft. But not that I sat there and did like hours and hours of homework on them or anything like that. I mean, I think the big thing is I'm surprised that it's just a slam dunk there. You know, I, I did read some quotes, I thought, from the press conference, or maybe it was earlier in the day where there was a little bit of a, hey, we're going to talk about it as an organization. You're going to throw a rookie who's never played ever before in over a guy like Brett Hundley, who's played for the Packers in meaningful football games and a few other times and showed that he's, you know, capable and can make a play. I, I, I don't know. Again, they're, they're there every day. I know that. But it's a guy from South Dakota who's never played a game in the NFL, and now it's week 17 and it's a big moment. Uh, I, I would be a little tentative that way, and not to disrespect, you know, Chris Strebler that way anyway, but just Brett Hundley's got a, you know, a few more pelts on the horse uh, than, than Strebler. Well, he's got no pelts on the horse. But but he has at least he has at least played uh, in the NFL. Right. Now Strevler, as it turns out, I'm doing my Chris Strevler research on the fly. He did win the Grey Cup in 2019. That's right with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. So right. I need to get up on my CFL. See, Chris Berman would have known who Chris Strevler is. Yeah, well, you're no Chris I, Berman. Since I don't we know that. Since I don't, he didn't know who we mean. <laughs> since I don't follow the CFL, I didn't know who Chris Strevler is. There's an awesome photo of him hoisting the Grey Cup in a fur coat, shirtless underneath. Yeah, and he's a, a personality, hat. right? That's that's what I've so, always heard so about. So so you him. know what? I'm right. I'm kind of I'm kind of intrigued by the possibility of the Strevler Walford matchup at 4.25 p.m. Eastern on Sunday. Uh, what, what a cluster of games, too, at 4.25 p.m. Eastern. We're going to have fun getting ready for a 7 o'clock show. That's for damn sure. Well, yes, there are a seriously. Lot of all the impactful games are at 4.25 p.m. Eastern on Sunday. How, uh, how, how so, do we know uh, what the, the Kyler Murray injury exactly is? I mean, I know. I've seen lower it. leg. Yeah. Lower leg. Is that as much as we're going to get there? Lower That's leg. all we're going to get is lower leg? Well, Wednesday, Wednesday we'll get we'll – get whether he practiced, right? You know, or wh whether he was a uh, limited participant, full participant, and it'll be ankle, foot, toe, heel, head, shoulders, knees, and toes. I don't know. It's going to be in there somewhere. Well, they they have to give you a body part. They can't do the lower leg hockey style injury disclosure. Come Wednesday, who do you so trust? We'll know what it is. Who do you trust? What team do you trust to to be able to win a football game? With Rams. Backup? Yeah, me Rams. Too. Right. Right. Yeah, Rams. Yeah, uh, it's just, just because, just because I I have more faith in McVeigh. He's taking a team to a Super Bowl. I mean, I you know, I, I, it's it comes down to that. Sorry, right. Cliff. I mean, I'm impressed with what they've done this year. You know, they gave us flashes in Arizona that this was going to be a special season, and it's regressed to just 500. And yeah, you have to wonder with Kingsbury and Kyler Murray, 
is that kind of what they're going to be? Are they are they going to be a team that hovers around 500 and one year it's going to break 10 and 6 and one year it's going to break 6 and 10, but it's never going to be dominant. That's going to be the challenge moving forward in Arizona, Chris. Well, I, I think so. I agreed with you there. And I think, you know, with, with the I, – I, I'm like you. I give the advantage to the Rams too because of McVay, the team. You know, Arizona, their offense, It's it, a lot of it's based on the – pure talent of Kyler Murray. That's really part of the genius of it. So when that's away, I don't sit there and go, wait, I think this offense is going to be able to execute just like normal, like I do with the Rams, you know? So uh, I, uh, the, the, the Cardinals, I think your point is very real, you know, good football team, fun to watch, have some young players that are very exciting, got some really good areas, you know, on their team with some, with some good football players. But you know, all in all, I still think that, yes, to your point, like it's going to have to be more diverse in the offseason and it's going to have to change a little bit with the offense, how they approach the game, do all that, because we've seen all year they've kind of feasted on the week, right? They feast on the week statistically. And then when it's a good defense, it's kind of just like, eh, yeah, we know you're the number two offense in football, but not against the good defenses. You're the number two offense in football when it's like the bottom half of the football. And then when it's the good defenses, you're pretty an average offense. And I think that just shows because it's too Kyler centric. They got to do more. Quick break. When we return, there's a new betting favorite for MVP. And it's not Josh Allen, but it's another one of Chris's favorites. Oh, yes, PFT it is. Live continues right <laughs> after this. Well, looky here. The points oh. bet odds for MVP. Well, hello. Aaron Rodgers, minus 150, and Patrick Mahomes, plus 250. That makes Rodgers the clear favorite. you got to bet 150 to win 100. Josh Allen, plus 1,400. And then everybody else is out of the picture. At this point, it's Rodgers or Mahomes. We talked about this yesterday. Look, it comes down to the votes of 50 people. I could see it being a tie this year, Chris. I would not be surprised by that. Or it could be 25 to 24. And there's always that one person who does something screwy. Just ultimately for attention, although they act like, oh, I'm not doing it for attention. This is my true assessment of who the MVP is. Yeah, right. This is so everyone will say, hey, look at so-and-so who voted for someone other than one of the two clear-cut favorites. So it's going to be interesting to see how the votes shake out. The problem is we're not going to find out until the night before the Super Bowl and we won't care anymore. No, you're right. But I mean, we might have a good feel by this weekend regardless. I mean, we don't know what the Chiefs are going to do. I'm guessing they're going to play. It sounded like Andy Reid said that. But I, for my money right now, as we said, I, I do. I'm a believer that Aaron Rodgers is the MVP. I love Patrick Mahomes. I understand that. But as far as one of the best players in the league, importance to his team, I think Rodgers wins it this year. We got a full hour of PFC Live still to come. We'll be right back. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. Like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. 